This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. NFL Friday, it's time. The first installment of the 2018 NFL Friday season. My favorite podcast that we do here. Very excited to get it started this year. Vinny DeBell is here, joined by Reed Horner, Devin Clementi. Guys, how we doing? Not bad. Doing Not well. Bad. Doing well. Excited it's... for football. Football got started yesterday. I, I am so, so psyched. I cannot wait for this weekend. Dude, it's it's been too long without football. I've I've been like having withdrawals over the past couple months. Let's yeah, go. yeah, yeah. No, I do think um, I'm especially excited for this year though. I think this is going to be one of the the most up in the air years we've seen in a long time, and a lot of factors play into that. But I mean, on average, right, four different teams each year get into the playoff in the NFL, right? right. There's so, a bunch of worst to first. And a lot I, of turnover. And I I would guess you could see even six happening. A lot of good quarterbacks, but not a lot of great. Just a lot of stuff into it. So I'm I'm excited to get started and. Uh, Philadelphia and Atlanta easily disappointed us. Exactly. We did get it started yesterday. (laughs) And like I said, I did not see that entire game. But, you know, from what I heard, very sloppy. The little bit that I saw, super sloppy live. But it was an entertaining finish for the Eagles who who took it home. Not uh, Nick Foles' best performance, but he still got the win. And he seems like he's able to just keep doing it. And without playing well, the Eagles get wins. That, That... Sort of was the theme all through last year. Although he had a great Super Bowl, I don't know if I want to say that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no. He he had he had a great championship game. A great, uh, obviously historic Super Bowl. That was incredible. Um, but if you look at what happened, like right after he came in for for Wentz at the end of the last regular season, even in the divisional game against against the uh, the Falcons, actually. He 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 didn't look great at all uh, going into that going into that championship <laughs> game and and similarly in in the first part of the game today. But once he gets that RPO going, the run pass options, which is what he did in college, Nick Foles looks fantastic. Once you do that, if you looked, I forget what quarter it was, but at some point in the second quarter, Doug Peterson really got him going by doing that uh, fake handoff. I, I forget who they they used the committee there, but then he took it outside and just threw it up the sideline to Nelson Aguilar, and that immediately got him going. So once he gets that RPO going, then it's tough to stop that offense. And credit to Doug Peterson for 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 also setting him up for that success. No, 100%. Doug Peterson, I, you know, it's rare that you'll see a, a head coach take over and be as successful as Peterson was ju- just really starting it up. Usually, usually it takes a few years for guys to get adjusted. And, you know, I feel like an NFL coach is one of the toughest things to do in terms of uh, just being put in that position, but he he's been and in a tough NFC too. It's yeah. not like the NFC is a walk in the park, oh, especially this year. But also a lot of that that uh, head coaching decision was really panned by a lot of people when it happened. He was coming from Kansas City, where he didn't even call plays most of the time. It was Andy Reid, so there wasn't really a ton of merit for him to go out and become a head coach. And I saw plenty of lists where he was ranked as the worst head coach in a league, things like that. And the things that I've seen him do since last year and into this year with his personnel and just setting up his quarterback specifically for success, 
I've been blown away. And I, you have to think, I guess it has a lot to do with with learning from Andy Reid, who's definitely been a quarterback whisperer and who's definitely been an incredible offensive mind. But the way that he's able to tailor his offense, whether it's to Carson Wentz's abilities or to Nick Foles' abilities, which I was talking about with the RPO before, it's incredible the way he's able to adjust like that. And he's really become proven that he's one of the better head coaches in this league. Yeah, super impressive. And just some stats from yesterday. The Eagles won 18-12. to Not not a very aesthetically pleasing offensive game. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, Nick Foles, 19 for 34, 117 yards, no TD and a pick. And uh, Jay Ajay had a good game for any fantasy guys who had Jay Ajay. John DeBarra will be with us giving the fantasy breakdown for who to start week one coming up later in the show. So de- definitely want to stay tuned for that. I was real lucky yesterday to have Nelson Aguilar in one of my leagues. No, you didn't. I did. That for is PPR. crazy. I got super lucky. It was my first time ever really playing lucky. PPR. And uh, we, we could get into this a little bit later, but I think it's ridiculous having PPR. I don't know why you should be recorded for catching a ball, even if you go you backwards. What is the point of PPR I, I agree in fantasy with you 100%. football? Yeah, no, last night, I mean, I'm not. I'm not with you on the whole Doug Peters train. He's not a bad coach, but the listen, you got that lucky. guy. No, no, no. I mean, no. How do you want to there is no, no luck again. I mean, there's, there's not this black oh and white. Oh my god! Why do we live in this black and white <laughs> world? My God, I just didn't say he's an amazing coach. I don't think he's horrible. Listen, listen. I did not think that he was even a good. coach Are you before interested last in season. why? Let's all right, all right, all right. Are you, are you interested I'm in just, why? I'm just blown away. Are we away just gonna yell at me? Until... No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. What go I'm ahead. saying is, yes, he schemed very well, but that roster is also very talented. He had, uh. Very capable quarterback in Wentz, and who know the backup Foles would end up becoming sure. uh, very capable as well. Uh, what I'm saying is, I look at all-time great coaches as ones that take C plus rosters and turn them into B plus rosters. I think if he was given the roster of, of say some of the worst teams in the NFL, I don't think he'd turn them around and really turn them into competing rosters just yet. Again, you guys mentioned he's young. Not saying he's like either going to be the best now or never, but there's a process to this. Okay, I I see the sentiment, um, and and it's not like crazy where you're coming from, but you are wrong because (laughs) because if if you look at what he's done now, now obviously Doug Peterson is is an offensive-minded coach, he his first keep in mind. Year, I'm only saying he's just not amazing. I I and I would have agreed with you last off season, but after what I saw him do last season, with the way that he was able to help Carson Wentz's development, with what I believe to be a C plus roster on the offensive side of the ball, the defense has been great on the offensive side of the ball. They have one of the best lines, but their playmakers definitely C plus in my opinion. I don't think Alshon Jeffrey is a number one receiver. I think that he was best fit as the number two when he was in Chicago. I don't think that they have any phenomenal running backs back there. Jay Ajayi has shown at times, but he's been injury prone with his knee and has a degenerative knee condition. Corey Clement, he made look like a superstar in 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 the Super Bowl last year. And like and this I was is saying all through before, scheming? absolutely it's all through scheming. The, if you look at the Eagles with Carson Wentz versus with Nick Foles, he completely changed it up and went to the RPO once, once Wentz was out. And it it really is what propelled them in into that Super Bowl victory. Now, obviously, players win games. Not taking anything away from Nick Foles, not taking anything away from Ajay or Clement or, or Alshon Sounds Jeffrey. like you are. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is you cannot understate how important Doug Peterson was to that Super Bowl victory last year because the scheming definitely played a major, major part in that victory. And one big thing I think you brought up there is is flexibility from a coaching standpoint. Absolutely. The great coaches are able to adjust to what they have. It's a different game plan when Foles is in there. 
compared to Wentz. So great job doing that. And you know, it, this is a big win for the Eagles, especially because Wentz wasn't wasn't healthy. And the NFC East, I keep saying this, is always going to be competitive yeah. with the football culture in those four towns: Washington, New York, Dallas. They're all blue bloods. You know what I mean when it comes to uh, franchises and. I, it, it's always tough. You're 100% correct. Uh, listen, that that game, they needed to win that game. It was a good opponent, even though neither of the teams looked amazing yesterday. Atlanta is certainly a good opponent and a, and a playoff contender. And like you mentioned, Vinny, uh, Carson Wentz, not playing yesterday. Alshon Jeffrey, not playing yesterday. And both those guys are out for the foreseeable future. So to win this, this, this uh, opening game... Without those guys, with Jay Ajayi being on the injury report coming into the like this was huge, huge win, and to pull it out in a sloppy game, I mean, they escaped with one, and you really have to feel good about that if you're if you're the Eagles or an Eagles fan. Yeah, I think we we get prisoners for the moment though. It's our first football game. It's it, you really you really want to judge these teams. If this was week 14, 13, I'd be I'd be on. Oh the yeah, board. you're you're absolutely right. But I look at it as much about the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I, I think the Eagles are definitely going to be Super Bowl contenders this year, especially if Wentz comes back and he can improve at the quarterback position, or at least improve from what Foles is doing. But Atlanta, 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 Atlanta. They, they seem like they're always this team that should be good but never is. And I was watching the game last night, and I have this theory. I want to run you guys by it. It just when it comes to Matt Ryan, he's an incredibly accurate quarterback. I would argue top three most accurate quarterbacks in the league. But he has zero velocity on his throws, which is why I think they struggle so much in the red zone because you need to be able to get it into tight spots fast. And if you look at a lot of his big plays to Julio Jones, whether it's down the field, once he gets to the end zone, even that last throw that it wasn't inbounds, it was a fade to yeah, Julio. Yeah, I don't get it. And, yeah. and on top of that, the offensive line, they don't seem to be getting their pushes off. Like when they – whether it's run blocking or pass blocking, they're, they're not firing off in the same way at least that Eagles D-line was. And it just seems like it, this culture of, uh, what would you say, it? Just they don't have enough intensity yeah, but throughout I would, that roster. I, I would say both teams looked a little bit flat yesterday. Well, it's but the first game of the they, season, too. Exactly, it was the first expected. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of things about Atlanta yesterday that concerned me, though. Coming into the season, I, I just kind of assumed that there would be some positive touchdown regression for um, for, uh, for Julio, Julio Jones. Yeah, yeah thanks, Vinny. Uh, and, and just the team as a whole in the red zone. And they came out again yesterday and looked terrible in the red zone. Devontae Freeman did not look good. There was a lot of things about the team that worried me. Keanu Neal, one of their safeties, is now out for the year. So I, I saw a lot of things. They they looked flat. Matt Ryan didn't look great on the deep ball. I again, it's the first week, and things can change a ton by week sixteen. Well, going, week 17, going into that game, Atlanta was the only team yesterday. not in the IR. Right, they, they, didn't had, look they didn't have great one player in the IR. That's incredible. The only in the NFL, NFL team entering that game. Wow. And now, now they, they have, do. <laughs> now they do. Yeah, as is the case with football. But so so for the Falcons, it's going to be interesting to see how they do this year. Just because last year was so strange. You'd think a new offensive coordinator, you could sort of make that excuse. But after the great 2016 that they had, um, you're looking for a bounce-back season. Not that they were awful last year, but could, not not what you expected them to be yeah. after making it to the Super Bowl. So watching those teams going forward is going to be real interesting in the ultra-competitive NFC. But moving over to the AFC, uh, one of the biggest storylines that I don't think a lot of people saw coming, although some Steelers fans, one, one of my boys who's a big Steeler fan, he was saying months ago, he was saying Le'Veon Bell is not going to play week one. And I was saying, you're crazy. But he, he really thought the two sides are so, you know, opposed on this these contract negotiations. He, he didn't see it working out. And it looks like he's going to be correct as he's not scheduled to suit up against the Browns this week. 
I mean, what do you guys take on it? I I I, I, I think uh, ideally we don't want the situation, right? We want all the players to be playing, but I understand why he's doing it. You know, one, you play a position that's very, very quick internal turnover rate in terms of replaceability, injury rate. He needs to get his money now. The NFL, I'm telling you. This is a bigger issue, but the NFL, if they started guaranteeing contracts more, they would have a lot less of these type of issues, right? Because he's going into games, arguably the most violent sport, major North American sport, where he a lot of his contract isn't guaranteed. And quite frankly, uh, from what it seems, he was going into a season where they were probably going to run yeah. him into the ground. He's looking at that as, oh, wow. And then now he has an offensive line that obviously never really liked him because they're going to come out and talk <laughs> trash about him the yeah, moment he doesn't do anything. That really bizarre. It speaks yeah. louder to that team. and it I, speaks, I agree 100%. And it really tells like me the why they haven't had a Super Bowl in a while. Let's just be honest. They're well, not a mature well, team. No, they, no, they, they won fairly recently. No, 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 no. Ten they, years ago is not that long ago. When you're talking about the current culture of a team that's a long time ago yeah a lot of deep playoff runs that i mean they could never beat the patriots yeah. i think that's the thing in the past years but I, i've never thought about that because it does seem like now the the narrative with the steelers even though they did win like mm-hmm. so, some franchises never never win anything yeah. but in the steelers they're always there but i okay, feel like yeah, it, it has sort of become become a thing that they can't get past the pats they can't get back to the super bowl they, at least they can't me. get past themselves <laughs> i the you know i really I, I think that there's a huge culture issue there to be honest uh, and and John, our, our fantasy guy is looking at me right now because I know he's a big Steelers fan. And John, I don't I don't mean to like uh, to you know talk bad about your team, but I, they got a lot of questionable characters there. They have a head coach who I think has done some questionable things. You know, sticking his foot out during a kickoff return, things like that. They uh, <laughs> they I I they, the offensive line is coming out and trashing their teammate. When if you if you look at what players say in the NFL. One of the number one things you talk about, you, you one of the number one rules is you don't talk about another player's money. You don't talk about another player's contract situation. And I actually side with Le'Veon Bell in this situation because you're talking about a position where they typically don't last very long. 30 is typically the cap on that. He was given a lucrative contract um, th- this past offseason by by the Steelers and turned it down because there was no guaranteed money in exactly it. Exactly. So I was basically, about. so so basically, it wasn't a really lucrative contract because they could have gotten out of it at any point. It's just the Steelers as a whole look really shady to me in the in this situation, Dead and they're just trying Dead to use the best. They're just trying to use the best years of Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion, rather than reward him for what he's done. If I could jump in, just yeah, to defend absolutely. My team from the Steelers, fan. you absolutely are are entitled to defend I, your I, team. I get all those points, and like typically. I do side with the players in situations where money's at stake you get that these guys are putting their bodies on the line and like that's a tough thing and a tough balance there's pride at stake all this stuff and he plays the most violent position in the most violent game but like that's his right to turn down the contract they did before the girly offer they did make him the biggest offer of all time at that position his right to turn it down but like he said three different times that he'd be there week one and now, all of a sudden, in game week, all of a sudden, that it sounds like he's going to be back week ten. Maybe I mean, he again, wants a reason to leave. Maybe that's what we're not seeing. He could have demanded a trade. Listen, if this was a week ago, it could have had like a Khalil Mack situation where like they couldn't work it out, but it was still before the deadline where they could have traded him and at least got some value back. He just puts the team in a really bad spot. And I do agree with you guys. Like the culture there has been sort of frustrating for me as a fan, and I know it always looks worse on the outside. But, like, I don't like the O-line going after him like they have right. been. Because it is a tight-knit group, and that O-line is especially very tight-knit. Yeah. So I think they just feel slighted as a unit. So that's why you're kind of seeing them come out this way. I'm not thrilled with it. It's just, But still, in the end of the day, it's the situation Le'Veon didn't really need to put them in. 
Well, I, I think it's a really difficult situation for him too because, like I was talking about before, I, I, I get what you're saying. It well, on paper it was the biggest the biggest contract, but you have to keep in mind Todd Gurley got forty five million dollars guaranteed. Le'Veon Bell was offered, I think, ten. So once All he got about paid, that guaranteed once money. he got paid that ten million dollars, there was no really safety in that contract. They could have cut him whenever they wanted, and there would be that would be it. So my point to you is now I don't know what happened about close. Uh, uh, behind closed doors during the off season, but I have to assume because of what he's doing right now that he let them know he didn't want to be franchise tagged. I felt like he kind of alluded to that at, in public as well. Yeah, he said he wouldn't play under it. Right, right. And my point is, if you're if if Le'Veon Bell sits down and tells the team, "Do not franchise tag me. I want to play here." either give me a deal or let me go somewhere else so I can get a deal. I don't think he's doing anything wrong by not playing for them because they're basically placing this this one-year deal on him and saying, you have to play for us this year and we're going to run you into the ground. Exactly. Or, or, and to me... And he won't get that me, lucrative contract. Right, right. Up because he's going to have... And he's coming off a year, keep in mind, where he had the most touches in the, in the entire league, over 400. Now he's probably no again... Right, probably again was going to have the most touches in the league, over 400. You're talking about a really damaged running back after this season he's probably not going to get much as much money if that happens uh, he's really being put in a, an extremely difficult situation by the Steelers in my opinion but for Steelers fans I really do like James Conner and you know so. what you mentioned <laughs> that I think is so important is Todd Gurley getting paid and at the position it's it, maybe not so as as much so as the wide receiver position but there's a lot of ego at the running back yeah. position who's the best running back in the NFL Le'Veon Bell believes he's the best in the league. He sees Todd Gurley get the money guaranteed, and it sets the precedent. That's the big thing, I think, with contracts this offseason, starting with Kirk Cousins, uh, the Odell contract. All these guys getting guaranteed money, it, it makes makes it so the next guy is saying, hey, I should be getting that money. I'm better than this guy. Yeah, if no crazy. one gets it in the first place, that's why it's so important. When Gurley got it, I said, wow, now everyone's going to want guaranteed money. I think it's good for the players overall, but – there, there's a big divide, and as Richard Sherman said yesterday, he, he I saw the quote yesterday, he's saying that there's going to be a lockout before a, a deal is reached. Yeah. What's the divide? Like, I mean, why well, would people well, not want well, guaranteed contracts what, what, for no, their No, no, athletes? no, but what, what you're seeing is because, in you know, baseball, for example, it's all guaranteed. In football— That league's it, doing pretty football, well, I think. In football— it was never all guaranteed. All the power was in was in the power. All the power was in the hands of they the, the owners. They have the worst players you need in all in, of the in major sports. In the sports. owners and the GMs. Now you're starting to see a shift. And the perfect example is Kirk Cousins getting a fully mm. guaranteed deal of three years, eighty-four million dollars. Completely, get, he could not play a snap, yeah. and he's getting eighty-four million dollars. Uh, he completely, completely changed how contracts are being done, and now you're seeing Aaron Rodgers top that. But I'm saying, why but, wouldn't we want, like, there obviously who's are we? people. Who's are the fans? I'm asking the question. because The I owners think are going to be. Of course, yeah, there's the definitely fans who don't want guaranteed uh, but, contracts. I listen. I I think that you it it's just a matter of what your ideology is. If you if you can if you empathize with GMs and owners who are losing players all the time and are still having to pay them money, then you think no guaranteed contracts. If you're empathizing with players who are getting hurt or getting cut and not getting their money that they had in their contract, then you then you empathize with them. It's just w what side you are, are yeah, on. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think fans, for the most part, they want to see good football. I and like you said, it depends on where where you stand. If you lie more with the players, I would think most fans in general. Sympathize with the players more so than the owners, but you're, although not who said everyone. that in our pre in our meeting before, someone said that 
they think it's a weird sport where like a lot in sports, a lot of fans tend to side with management and the upper like. It might have been Evan actually. Something like but, that. Yeah, um, no, I thought that was a fair point because it's interesting. It's true. That's why I brought that point. Not that everyone feels that way, but it does seem that lots of times people will either, whether it's Le'Veon Bell, they're like, shut up and play, or, oh, well, this guy gets I, paid I too can, much money. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why right now, because you're, you're, you're a fan of teams, not players, typically. That's a because, good point. So NBA if is different. Right, exactly. Yeah. The NBA is completely different. If I'm a Steelers fan, I'm probably really upset that Le'Veon Bell isn't playing because he's a tremendous part of our team, and it's just going to be my initial reaction to be like, this guy should be here playing without looking at it from a practical standpoint and saying, listen, this guy is just trying to make his money because in a few years, he's not going to be able to do that anymore. And this is the thing that he is best at in the world. So once he turns 30 or 29 or 31, whatever it is for him, He's not going to be able to make his money anymore, so he has to do it now. And if you're a fan of a team, you're probably not looking at that side all the time. Yeah, so the one thing we can't agree on there is that the Steelers and Steelers fans would like Le'Veon Bell back, but then when he comes back, what's it what's it going to be like, the relationship with the O-line? It's, it's going to be interesting be to see really interesting. how that plays out. But I think one thing we can agree on, they probably won't need him against the Browns, even though the Browns are improved. I don't, I don't think that they're going to necessarily need him to win that game, but maybe I'll be wrong. We'll, we'll see. All right, so we're going to go into our first fantasy segment with John DeBarro. John, what do we have this week in fantasy? Who should I play? Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Rams quarterback Jared Goff draws a promising matchup versus a Raiders defense that ranked just 25th in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks last season and is now without Khalil Mack. The offseason addition of deep threat Brandon Cooks should help the Rams' passing game take advantage of a thin Raiders secondary. Expect Todd Gurley to get the bulk of the touches, but trust head coach Sean McVay to get the Rams' entire offense into gear early in the game. Ravens running back Alex Collins has finally settled into a lead-back role as he notched just under 140 total touches and six touchdowns in Baltimore's last seven games of 2017. Collins will face a new-look Bills defense that allowed the fifth-most yards per carry to running backs last year and are prone to giving up big plays on the ground. And former Dolphins receiver Jarvis Landry has made a habit of racking up points in PPR and don't expect that to change now that he's in Cleveland. Also consider that Josh Gordon is expected to see less than a full workload to start the year, and you can bank on a productive outing for Landry against a Steelers defense that won't be in peak form. And those are your surefire starters for Week 1. All right, so a lot of names jumped out at me there. The two that are sort of sticking, uh, two guys that I liked going into the year, but especially like this week for the, the reasons you gave. First is golf. I just think the the Rams offense, now they, they, they're almost constructed like a Madden franchise yeah. team or something, or a fantasy team. And who knows, those teams a lot of times are never as good on the field as they look on paper. You. I agree you with know, you. Although, as a fan, I'm just rooting for them to, to be good because I think it's going to be so oh. much fun to watch big personalities on, on in that Rams locker room. Although I will say the, the most important parts of this team, the quarterback, the coach, are on the upscale, if you will, as opposed to other teams in the past who have done this, like the Eagles back a couple years ago. They were actually, I think, kind of going down. So L.A. may be more likely to succeed with this roster. Yeah, fantasy-wise, maybe expect a little regression just point-scoring-wise when you're talking about the NFL, the yardage, the points. Maybe you'd expect that to go down a little as defenses adjust. But fantasy-wise, there's still so many weapons on that offense, and you especially like that when you're looking at the quarterback position. Yeah, Jarvis Landry, another pick that that I like uh, most definitely. And it, it should be interesting, long fantasy season ahead, but we're going to transition to some Giants football talk now. Go, 
All right, and before we get into our Giants talk today, we're going to have the Giants report from David Spampanato, the Giants beat reporter for WFUV. The achievements of an organization are the results of the combined effort of each individual. That quote by Vince Lombardi could not be more true when it comes to the 2018 New York Giants. Last year's Jacksonville Jaguars are the perfect example of that. The Giants' 2018 journey begins with those Jaguars and their stout defense with an airtight secondary. The Jags' defense ranked third in points allowed, second in sacks, and second in interceptions in 2017. However, the weak spot of that defense was defending the run, and Pat Shermer will look to expose that with Saquon Barkley. Expect Barkley to get a lot of touches on Sunday, whether it be by the ground or in the air. The Giants didn't draft Barkley for future success. They drafted him to win now. All eyes will be set on Odell Beckham and Jalen Ramsey. As far as a one-on-one -on -one matchup goes, this is as good as it gets. Despite Beckham and Ramsey's history of trash talking, they both seem to have some mutual respect. Beckham feels Ramsey is one of the best in the league. If he's not 1A, he's 1B. Uh, the only other person I know like like that is Patrick Peterson. But, um, I mean, he's, what, 6'3", 215. He runs 4'3". Like, I mean, he's got all the intangibles. Um, he's athletic. Um, and and he, he's just good. You know, he's just, like I said, he's just one of the best in the league. He does, he does it all. Ramsey claims the sore ankle he's been nursing is no longer an issue, and he'll be 100% on Sunday. Eli Manning will look to shut Ramsey up after the comments he made about Manning's ability a couple weeks ago. Ramsey said Eli's success is because of Odell Beckham. After an offseason of fans questioning how much Manning has left in the tank and some demanding the Giants draft Sam Darnold, the 37-year-old gunslinger has a lot to prove. Last week, I said the key for the Giants this year would be staying healthy, and Big Blue already needs to battle a key injury. Linebacker Olivier Vernon will miss Sunday's game with a high ankle sprain. The weight will be felt by rookie Lorenzo Carter and veteran Connor Barwin to bring the pressure on Blake Bortles. The Giants' new defensive coordinator James Betcher has his work cut out for him without OV. He'll need to get creative with blitz packages, even bring some pressure from the secondary. But the biggest nuisance for him will be Leonard Fournette. Betcher's 3-4 defense already puts a lot of pressure on Snacks Harrison, but with Fournette in the backfield and no Olivier Vernon, Snacks will be the key on defense for the Giants on Sunday. Overall, I think this will be one of the best Week 1 matchups. There's no doubt in my mind this will be a close game, but I think the Giants' talent will be too much for Jacksonville. G-Men on top, 2014. Covering the New York Giants, I'm David Spampanato, WFUV Sports. Great stuff from David there. Now, you, you know, this is the one game I had circled this week, not just because we're in New York and it's the Giants, but, you know, you, you got the matchups. Uh, young stud running backs, Fournette against Barkley, Ramsey against Odell. Yeah. That That's really the one I have circled. And an interesting tactic I thought there. I, didn't, I hadn't heard the clip from Odell talking about Ramsey, but to praise him and compliment him there, sort of taking the high road instead of, going the Jalen Ramsey strategy and trash-talking him. As you see many receivers and corners, the, yeah. that relationship goes normally trash-talk. Surprise me to hear Odell. I, I guess a pre pleasant surprise to hear Odell praising him like that. Uh, no, I agree with you 100%. And I was, uh, yeah, I was definitely surprised. 
I really cannot stand Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> you um, either love him or hate him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But but I, I just found it was interesting that he was saying that the only reason Eli's good is because of Odell when Eli won two Super Bowls before Odell. But <laughs> I just well, thought that that was interesting. But um, listen, I when it comes to this game, I think it'll be really good, and I'm excited to see what the Giants can do with their new look. But listen, I, I, I believe that you that you win in the trenches, and pretty much with the exception of quarterback, I think that the Jaguars have every single uh, advantage in this game. Their defense is better. Their line on de- their line on defense is way better. Their line on offense is a million times better. And I, I just I don't see I don't see the the Giants being able to protect Eli Manning in this game. You know, I think Jalen Ramsey had a point with his Eli Manning comments, though. You know, Tom Coughlin's system might have been great. It's a team sport, so you can't judge a player really off of their it's their, very true. their team accomplishments. You it's know, very true. I would never call Eli the best ever. <laughs> well, the other thing is, I don't think he genuinely <laughs> believes what what he's saying. I, th- I, you know, it's he's trying to get under Eli's skin, and I think he probably accomplished that because Eli's response that was the most animated I've ever seen him when yeah. when yeah. was it who. Who's yeah, Jalen Ramsey? Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that was hysterical. And I've never heard – that was the closest to trash talking I think Eli's ever done, but definitely under his skin to the point where it registered for Eli. And I know you said you hate Ramsey. I – you know, if I were going up against him, I would definitely hate him. But as someone who has no real stake in the Jags or yeah, anyone yeah. playing against the Jags, I love it as an NFL fan. It gives me something oh, to It definitely watch, gets you, you know? invested in it. Absolutely. I, agree I think with that Odell 100%. likes it too. I think – I feel the slow shift. Maybe it's even faster than that. Of, of player empowerment, player uh, confidence, this idea of the NFL, like you mentioned earlier, the NFL is all about teams, not necessarily players. I think players like Odell Beckham are this new wave or this new generation kind of pushing the envelope to being, no, we're individuals, we're our own brands. Well, they do it in different ways, but I think in the back of his mind, maybe Jalen Ramsey's been in the headlines for this type of stuff. We know his name. A lot of people know his name, Eli included, because of the things he's saying now. So I think, I mean, I, I, that sounds like a bigger picture idea, but it, that's the feeling I'm getting from this. It's the only reason, if someone talks trash about me, the, that's the only reason I can think that Odell wouldn't come back at him. You know what I mean? I think I just think that I think that Ramsey likes to play mind games. Like think back to the to the Bengals Jags game last year where he got in that big fight with AJ Green. And I just and keep in mind AJ Green is one of the most like soft spoken, like put my head down, yeah. just do and just work hard, like kinda kinda guys in the NFL. And he lost his mind against Jalen Ramsey. So you you definitely see that he's all about mind games. He's all about trying to get every single advantage that he that he can um, when it com- when it comes to playing on Sunday and and listen, there's no qu- there's no questioning that it's working. There's no questioning the talent. We'll but see, man, if, it, we'll I see just, if it works. I just works want somebody. Well, well, well. To this point, I don't know of any wide receivers that's really burned him yet in his career. And I really hope that I see that on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a great matchup. And just to get into the other facets of the game that we're going to see, especially on the Giants side. I mean, with, yeah. with, with the Jags, we sort of know what we're getting. Last year they were. I, I overperformed. I'd I'd say I don't think anyone expected them to get as far as they they did with a subpar quarterback, and I don't think anyone expected the defense to be as good as it was. The top defense in football, you can make. The, I I think they were the top defense yeah. in football last year. Different metrics will say different things, but they were fantastic last year. Got them to the AFC Championship and really close to the Super Bowl. But so that's going to be there, and it's going to be a challenge for the Giants, even though they're at home. But for the Giants, I I think they got to get back to. Well, first off, they're going to be a lot healthier than they are last year. But I think you said they win. You win the games in, in, in the trenches. For the Giants, is the line going to be 
what people expected it to be at the beginning of the last year. Is it going to be good enough that Saquon Barkley can make an impact on the game, that Eli Manning has enough time that he can impact the game the way he can? You know, that's yeah, the question. Yeah, it absolutely is. And listen, I love Saquon Barkley. I think he's the exact type of player I like. You know, he says all the right things. He's that first one in, last one out type of guy. He, he, he's he got a great attitude. There's nothing to not we'll like. see how good his attitude the, is if week the, six the Giants O-line can't block But bro. even if you watch it, it I, was a huge, <laughs> I was a huge Saquon Barkley fan in, in, in co- when he was in college at Penn State. And if you just followed his career from there, you, I think you kind of got a sense of what, what kind of guy he is. And I think that he's absolutely good enough to overcome whatever deficiencies uh, the line has. But Eli Manning, I'm not so sure. I, especially with the speed on that Jaguars defense, especially with their secondary, he's not going. The receivers are going to need time to get open, in my opinion, and I don't think that he's going to have the time behind the line to to find them. And I think that that's just going to be a disaster for the for the Giants. Well, I think Saquon, even if he doesn't have the season a lot of people are projecting him to have, I think he's going to really help the pass protection, just because teams like the Jaguars are going to be are going to need to be more honest in their scheming and yes. in their approach because now the Giants actually have a legit threat coming out of the, the backfield. And yeah, no, 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 I didn't want to interrupt. If, if you finish, no, no, no. I, 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 okay. I, well, the idea well, is that let, now we have to worry about a run, so play action opens up things. I more. think I, I legitimately like think Saquon Barkley steps into the league as the most raw, talented running back in the entire league. Wow. I think that he's that good. I think that if you look, he ran a four-four at the combine. He's got. Great hands. He can pass protect. He he can he can run in between the tackles. The guy's thighs are the size of my waist, and I'm I don't think I'm a small guy. Like he's he's he is, I think the prototypical running back, prototypical athlete you want in the NFL. And I think that he's a Barry Sanders esque type of guy back there. I just don't know that the that the Giants have the line to face first of all this Jacksonville team, and then past that to face teams like the Eagles twice a year and and go into the playoffs. I don't think that they're that good up front, and that concerns me a lot. Well, if he's that type of player as well, though, and and I I don't know him as well in college as you, but I have watched him when he's leading up to the NFL. If he is that type of Barry Sanders s type of player, even if he's a fraction of that, he'll make that offensive line better. I mean, Barry Sanders could run up against yeah, eight guys yeah. and feel like he's not going to get tackled. Still need somebody to block. Right. That, no, no, no. no I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's like either or. I'm saying these are little parts that could contribute to yeah. a way better Giants team oh, overall. Oh, you're 100 percent right. But, but like like you were saying, like he's going to look better back there than say Orleans Darqua or Wayne Gallman did last season. But typically, what you want, and this is the case with the Jaguars. And, and the Cowboys from a couple of years ago, a good offensive line makes everybody else on the offense better. And a bad one is really going to cap, it's going to limit ha- that potential. For example, if, if the Giants had a Cowboys offensive line from 2016, <laughs> they, would be, uh, they would be my favorites to win the Super Bowl, but they don't. They have a bad offensive line. The Jags have a very good offensive line, and that makes Blake Bortles better. He didn't look bad at all in the playoffs last year, and I think that that's going to be the difference here. You know, that's a rational way to look at it, but I don't think a lot of football fans are looking at it that way in the sense that you obviously you need a good offensive line to do well. That's why Fournette was so good. That's why Zeke was exactly, so good. Exactly, exactly. But I think the, the there's going to be a lot of pressure on Saquon to produce right away because they see Fournette be so successful straight out, see Zeke be so successful, um, Casey, Kareem Hunt, yes. as good as he was. So. Saquon coming out, the expectation is that he's better than these guys. The scouting report's saying, oh, he's even better than these guys. And the fact that the Giants took him over what could have been a franchise quarterback. Sam Darnold. So the whole rap on uh, 
Saquon Barkley is that he's producing right away. Okay, you'll get him to come in, and he, he's going to be great right away. He'll ru- rush for 2,000 yards right away. You know, maybe that's a little hype, but it, it's, it you know. It could happen. That's, it definitely could happen, though. The expectations, though, I think from Giants fans that I've heard are so ridiculously high that he could have a, a very good rookie campaign and still they, they'd see it as a disappointment. And, you know, everybody talks about the quarterback position. You need time to adjust to the NFL game. And, yeah, I do think – more so at the quarterback than the running back position, but there may be a learning curve that uh, Barkley has to face, and I I just think that the expectations have to be a little bit tempered. I think he'll be great, but I don't think anyone should be surprised if he might struggle a little bit. I I couldn't agree more. I I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see Giants football this year. Definitely a really tough schedule, and when you play in that NFC East, it's going to be tough. A lot of big rivalry games. But even even though they finished so poorly last year, you'd think you're playing that fourth-place schedule that you'd have a bit of an easier time. But mm-hmm. the Giants' schedule is not easy, especially early on. It's a it's a daunting schedule. Um, but So, so I, I guess we won't jump the gun here because I was going to ask you guys for picks, but I remember we do, we right, do pick yeah. them here. So <laughs> yeah. I, I won't do that. But we will get to a Jets segment coming up. And I did a Jets report just a little while ago. But first, John DeBarro. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Russell Wilson may have been the number one quarterback in fantasy last year, but that doesn't mean you should trust him to produce this Sunday in a tough road matchup versus a re-energized Denver defense. Behind a suspect offensive line in an unproven backfield, Wilson makes for a risky fantasy play at this point in the season, and you may be better off starting your bench QB or finding a more favorable matchup on the waiver wire. Packers running back Jamal Williams put together some nice games to close last season, but don't count on him to excel in the lead back duties right away against a much improved Bears defense. With receiving back Ty Montgomery still in the mix for Green Bay, Williams is very much a touchdown dependent back and especially at a disadvantage in PPR leagues. With Des Bryant out of the picture in Dallas, new arrival Alan Hearns will look to fill his shoes in an offense that will also be missing tight end Jason Witten. The long-term opportunity is there, but don't count on the Cowboys opening up the playbook right away for Dak Prescott against a solid Carolina defense that is most likely preparing for a heavy dose of Ezekiel Elliott. And those are some guys you should steer clear of in fantasy this week. Stuff, John. Again, I found myself really agreeing with you on a lot of things there, just right out the gate. Uh, Williams, the the running back from Green Bay, I stayed Mm -hmm. way away from him in fantasy drafts. I thought he was overrated whenever I'd see him around second, third round if you're playing like 10 or 12. Yeah, way too high. I don't like Green Bay running backs in general. Just I think they're so – probably because I took Eddie Lacy when I shouldn't have a few years ago and he was a dud (laughs) for me. So I have a personal vendetta against Green Bay That probably speaks more to Alabama running backs, though, in the league Mm. than than Green Bay running backs. Yeah, you got Trent Richardson, not in the league anymore. And all those other ones we don't remember. No, I mean. It took Mark Ingram a while to come on. Oh, Ingram's the the exception there. Yeah, Yeah, but even Even then, he's never met the thought, what we thought he was going to be. John, I have one question for you regarding my fantasy team. I'm trying to decide. Who to start at my flex? I picked up James Conner, and it looks like he's going to be starting on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Then I also have as my third running back Royce Freeman, who they said is starting Ooh. against Seattle. So who do I go with at my flex? I like Royce Freeman. Yeah. I liked what I saw out of him in the preseason. But if you did pick up James Conner, like you, you don't really know at this point how much value you're going right. to get out of him going forward. So like. It doesn't really make sense to think this way. Part of me would want to start him now while he's I want, valuable. I kind of want to start him week one, even if it's the only week he plays, because if you see, like, whenever Le'Veon Bell's out, the right. backups go off. 
And like so. they've been really singing James Conner's praises. Yeah. Another guy who had a pretty nice preseason. Marquise Pouncey said he would have been a first round pick if he yeah. didn't have his cancer issues to deal with, unfortunately. So the talent is there, and now talent meets opportunity. That means fantasy potential as well. But we'll see. I would go with Connor in that matchup, but Royce Freeman is another good pick, and you're lucky to have all that depth at running back right Appreciate now. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree there. I think anytime you're going up against the Browns, that's a favorable matchup, even though the defense should be improved this year. But we'll, we'll get to Jets football now. And I did a Jets report a little a little while ago, and we'll get that going now. After weeks of speculation, it's official. The Sam Darnold era has begun for the New York Jets. It was a decision that may have shocked Jets fans a few months ago, but based on Darnold's play during the preseason and the move made by the Jets to trade Teddy Bridgewater, naming Darnold as the week one starter has seemed inevitable for the past week or so. Um, we're trying to help the team win. We feel like it gives us a good chance to win. We're not starting him because he's a rookie and he's not ready. We're starting him because he Darnold earned the trust of his teammates and coaching staff by playing with poise well beyond his years throughout the preseason. But no matter how poised he looked in those games, there's no simulation to show Darnold what Monday night football in prime time against the Lions will be like on Monday. Away from the quarterback position, the Jets have a number of health concerns for week one. To start with, offensive lineman Brian Winters, Kelvin Beecham, and Spencer Long were all full participants in Thursday's practice even though they were listed on the injury report. Perhaps more concerning, though, is the status of sophomore safety Marcus May, who still wasn't back at practice Thursday due to a foot injury. Jermaine Curse and Josh Martin were also sidelined for Thursday's practice, while linebackers Jeremy Atachu and Avery Williamson were limited. As for Monday night against the Lions, expect for the Jets to compete, but coming in to win on the road with a rookie quarterback against a veteran squad like Detroit will be too tall a task. The Jets will hang in there early, but in the end won't be able to hang with Detroit's potent offense. I'll go Lions 27-17 as Darnold records his first two pro touchdown passes. Covering the... For WFUV Sports, I'm Vinny DeBellis. Yeah, so, so, you know, I, I really wanted to pick the Jets there, but I couldn't, couldn't find enough reasons, I guess, to, to do so. Even though I think Darnold's going to be great, it's it, they've just been too conservative in the play calling for Darnold so far. Even though I guess that's the way you should be with a rookie, but I, I don't think they're going to have enough firepower. Stafford is always good to put up about 28 points against what could be a subpar Jets, Jets D if, if May misses the game. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, listen, as a Jets fan, I'm super excited for this year. I'm excited to see what Darnold can do. Um, and I think that the the defense has sneaky potential, but like you said, when everybody's healthy, you need Marcus May out there. You absolutely need uh, Avery Williamson out there. So if those if if one of those two guys or both miss the game, then I'm really worried. But if they're at full health on defense, I think that they have a shot in this game. I, I don't fault you for for picking the Lions because on paper they're absolutely the better team. They have Matt Stafford, who's one of the premier quarterbacks in this game but I definitely think on on defense the Jets are going to be much better than people expect and Darnold we have yet to see what he can do so I'm excited for that as well yeah I'm on the record I, I've consistent I'm not a big fan of 
rookie quarterbacks starting, especially mm-hmm. when they're drafted so high and expected no. to take on the mantle. I like when the like the Baker Mayfield situation in Cleveland. I really like because he's going to get a year to learn so much about the NFL. That I mean, besides the playbook, which is an incredibly hard thing to understand, yeah. just the life in general. I also think I'm with you on the Lions, but for this reason, I, one of the worst teams he could have gone up against in his first week just because of the way they play. Like you said, they put up a lot of points. So if I'm the Jets, I don't want my rookie quarterback trying to compete with the gunslinger oh, that's a great point. on the other side of the, uh, of the ball. You know what I mean? He's going to be, instead of trying to win a game 17, 14, or like we saw last night, mm-hmm. he's going to now be pushing himself to get an offense to score 30. He's going to try to be Matt Stafford, throw over 400 yards. And I don't think he's like that now, especially well, maybe in the future, but that's even pushing it. I'm with you on the whole... And I and I think we're in the minority here, but I also don't really like starting QBs, uh, rookie QBs right away. I think that the learning curve is the largest in any of the sports, and you're essentially going from playing in college to playing against college legends and Hall of Famers in the NFL. So I think that there's an enormous learning curve in that the year of, or even just a few weeks of sitting and, and learning behind a starter, especially a guy like Josh McCown, who I think is one of the best teachers he could have, having been and so many teams learn so many offenses. I think that that's a perfect situation for him. But listen, my main concern here is the Jets did a lot in terms of getting young, um, controllable talent this offseason. Didn't spend any huge amounts, I guess, to save up for next offseason. But I'm not so sh- I'm not so confident in their line. I-, I am confident in their defense. The line I'm still unsure about. No, they're they're, if, they're a 500 if, team. This well, year. well, well. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm just well, what I'm saying is is I definitely don't want to start my rookie quarterback if I'm not a hundred percent sure that I can protect him. The Eagles when they started Carson Wentz. They had an amazing line. They were sure that they could protect him. The Jets, I think, have a good defense. I think that they have a good receiving core. But I'm not sure that this line is going to be able to protect him as well as they would like it to. And that is my main concern with this. Now, see, my thing with that argument, because I've heard that argument made a lot, that Mm -hmm. they shouldn't put Darnold out there without a great line or at least a decent enough line that he'll stay healthy. But I feel like any quarterback in that situation is going to need a good line. Do you think McCown would – I think McCown right, is older. Yeah. Like, anyone they put out there is going to need someone good. So then, like, my thing with that is if you put McCown out there and then he gets hurt, then Don- – Then he's going to have to go Donald's going to have to play anyway. I, yeah. You know, I thought – trading away Bridgewater, I thought it was going to be done eventually. I didn't think it had happened this early. I thought maybe week four or five when a team really needs someone and a, a starting quarterback goes out – then maybe his value is a little bit higher when teams start to get desperate and they go and get Bridgewater. Uh, I thought that was probably how it was going to play out because he had a really good preseason too. I thought he was as good as Darnold. I wouldn't say necessarily better, but I I think it was just uh, probably keeping Darnold's the right move because the ceiling's higher. But I thought Bridgewater was really impressive in, in the time that we saw him. And now since they made that trade, normally I don't like starting rookie quarterbacks. I'm with you guys, but... With with who they had on the roster right now, I think it's it's go time right now. What yeah. are you waiting for? No, I, I I agree with you there. Listen, I thought the Bridgewater move was pretty masterful by Mike McCagnan. I, I I think Mike McCagnan was with what I've seen since he came. I think it was 2015. I think that we I think that the Jets have one of the better GMs in all of sports. I I think that he's done a really good job. Um, 
as far as as far as the whole like shootout thing with Darnold and Stafford, I actually am excited for that scenario because if you watched Darnold in college, I'm not. I don't know if you if I don't know if any of you saw the uh, the Rose Bowl game between USC and Penn State oh, a couple years ago. Awesome! That was one of the best football games they've ever seen. Complete shootout, and Darnold was at the center of all of it and led one of the most awesome comebacks I've seen in a long time and I think that he has that type of potential Darnold came into the came into the draft this year as probably the best uh quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck and I think that if a rookie quarterback is going to start this year if somebody has the pedigree to do it I think it is Sam Darnold and I think he kind of showed that during the preseason but, but the idea though is that like you said before when you're in college, you're going sure. against college players. Once you get to the NFL, it's a whole different gunslinging yes. in the NFL yes. is going to be a lot different. I don't, and I don't think he's the best prospect. I'm not high on him in general. I don't think he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck. We just mentioned Carson Wentz. Well, Carson Wentz, people didn't him. people didn't know what he was Carson taking. Went. Top three, he was taking he was taking second overall. You're right, but he also came from a Division One AA school. Not people as much hype around. Right, him. right, exactly. Yeah. People didn't know what to expect there. He's he's amazing. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but people didn't know what to expect. I think that most people would agree that Darnold is a safer prospect, at least. Then then Carson, then Carson. I'm not saying that. Listen, Carson Wentz, like I said, is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But if you were judging them both coming into the draft, I think most people would have taken Darnold over Wentz. Yeah, just I agree because with there that. Was less questions at this point. Yeah, I definitely take Wentz, but I agree in that situation. I think Darnold. There was more hype around him. People probably if if they were the same year and you had the pick, right, I right. think that's people would. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, taking Darnold over Wentz. Um, See, I don't think Darnold's going to end up feeling like he has to keep up with Matthew Stafford. I think he's going to, just based on how he's performed in the preseason games, I think he will be very safe. And, you know, as a fan, I'd like to see him take some more risks because I know that even though the Jets don't have the best receiving core out there, I think they're capable and that if they sort of allow him to loosen up and say, hey, take some shots down the field, that he could be successful. But I totally understand why they're saying, you know, just – Play it safe. Yeah. You're a rookie, and go through the motions. Not go through the motions, but have them have him. You know, play it smart. Play it yeah. safer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. No, I, I absolutely know what you're saying, and he, and he should play it smart. But with what I saw from him in college, with his ability to throw the deep ball accurately and to be that gunslinging type of quarterback, I really like how the 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 position that he's in on this offense. When you when you think about how Josh McCown and Robbie Anderson were able to hook up for so many deep touchdowns last year, Robbie Anderson. Going off of last year is one of the better deep threats in the league, and I think that that matches up perfectly with Darnold's skill set. Yeah, but the fear is, at least for me, looking at the Jets, that they could actually end up hurting themselves with success, where I believe the Patriots are going to take a little bit of a step back, not be as dominant. I think the Jets are going to be a lot better than they were last year. And if Sam Darnold is average to slightly above average, like you guys said, all of a sudden there's this expectation that year two now the Jets need to be Super Bowl-type contenders. And what I'm saying is that I don't know if Darnold, I believe, can be a capable QB in this league. But if we're talking about QBs that can like lead teams to Super Bowls, that's a whole different conversation. And I think that we're doing a disservice to him and to the Jets team overall if we don't think we give him at least three years. You know, I have a lot, I have a lot of people talking about this Jets team should win their division this year. That's crazy. And that that <laughs> no, is ridiculous. I don't know if they based should, off but like some preseason games. But li- listen, everybody develops at their own rate. Maybe he becomes a really good quarterback this year. Maybe it takes three years. Maybe I don't know. Everybody develops at their own rate. Carson Wentz didn't look incredible his rookie year, but last season he morphed into an M- MVP candidate. So I think it's just about 
building the right team around him in the meantime. And I think the Jets are really doing a great job of doing that with, like I said, the young, controllable talent last offseason. And they're going into next season with the most cap space of any team in the entire league. And I think that they are following that kind of Eagles blueprint for how to build a contender by getting that young quarterback and putting all the pieces around him. And I really like where the team is headed. I, I like, I love what Mike McCagney is doing. Yeah, so definitely a bright future for the New York Jets. For, first time we could say that in a while, but I think to expect them to win the division this year, not the smartest projection, but we'll, we'll see. I think there's still a big step between them and the Patriots, but go, go a few de- years down the line, yeah. and you know the, that Patriots dynasty isn't going to last forever. So now we're going to go back to John for the sleeper segment. John, who are our sleepers this week? Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. A guy Bears fans are definitely excited about, quarterback Mitchell Trubisky is coming off a restful preseason and by now should be on the same page with new head coach Matt Nagy and free agent signing Allen Robinson. The Bears get a matchup with a depleted Packers defense with some major question marks in the secondary. Look for Trubisky to capitalize. With Le'Veon Bell's situation still up in the air, the Steelers turned to second-year running back James Conner, who earned the trust of teammates and coaches with a productive preseason. Don't expect him to replicate Bell's production, but he should easily put up starter-quality numbers as the bell cow against the Browns. Case Keenum's arrival has many Broncos fans excited about the potential of star wideout Demarius Thomas, but Emmanuel Sanders may be the pass catcher to own out in Denver. Sanders should see a lot of attention from Keenum in the underneath passing game, an area where Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen thrived in similar roles last year with Keenum under center. The Seahawks' secondary isn't exactly the intimidating unit it was a few seasons ago, which should translate into a healthy amount of targets for Sanders. And those are some fantasy sleepers that will give you the edge in week one. Great stuff, John. I'm always big on the Broncos receivers. It seems like they've been there forever now. But Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, I, I like owning them, but you got to have a guy there to throw in the ball. So it should be a should be a great week for fantasy. You guys have fantasy teams you got going? Yes, oh, I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm hyped for this Sunday. Team. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm normally a one-guy one-team person, but this year I have like three or four leagues. It's going to be a little bit yeah, tough, I think, I, for me. That's, uh, normally I'm a one-team guy as well, and I have three this year, so we'll see how that manages. I like having the one team. Three yeah. would be too many to manage. Yeah. I just like to focus on one, and then I only have one group of players to root for. But yeah. Exactly. Find I yourself agree. contradicting. I, yeah, for yes. exactly. <laughs> I agree. Too many wires crossing in my brain yeah. for that. <laughs> so now we're going to head over to the Pick'em section to close out the show. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, first game we got here, Niners-Vikings. I'll go first, we'll go left to right. I like the Niners and Garoppolo's first game this season. Niners one of the biggest underdogs this year. I think Garoppolo's going to shock them on the road, though. I like the Vikings. I think a lot of people are excited about the Vikings. I want to see what Cousins could do. I am also going Vikings. That team is stacked, and I'm not on the 49er hype train yet. All right, Bengals-Colts. Read who you like. Ooh, I got to go Bengals, but I think Indianapolis. I got to see how Andrew Luck is. That's the key. He's the key to that team. If he performs well, if he's comfortable in the pocket, they have a good chance. But the Bengals need to do something this year, and I think they're going to get started. Yeah, we're waiting on the Bengals for a while now to be the team they think they can be. But Andrew Luck coming back, I think that building's going to be bumping. I like uh, the Colts. I think the Bengals are going to be awesome this year, completely revamped, now healthy. 
I think that they're a sneaky Super Bowl contender. I'm going with the Bengals. I know you're big on the Bengals. You're getting heat for that yeah, last week. I was, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go as far as that, but I like them winning this week against the Colts. Bills at Baltimore Ravens. Reed, who you like there? Baltimore slightly. I think they're going to be another sneaky good team. With Joe Flacco at the helm. Why not? I hope I don't catch a minute of this game. Sounds really boring, <laughs> but I think the Ravens pull it out. I agree 100%. I think Buffalo has a shot at 0-16. I'm going Ravens here in a, in a very bad game. All right, Bucks at Saints. Uh, Saints all the way. I think the Bucks are declining, and the Saints are going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with. I love to root for Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I think the Saints are going to win. New Orleans, 100%. Give me the Saints. No Mark Ingram, no problem. Jags, Giants. Uh, I'm going to go Giants slightly because they can do more. I like the Giants as home underdogs. I think they're going to pull out a close one. I absolutely like the Jags. I think that they're just too talented across both sides. Jags for the reason we gave earlier. Steelers at Browns. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to come out on top despite their dysfunction. Yeah, we've seen the Steelers team get distracted in the past with things like this, but I think they'll pull out a close one against Cleveland. I also think the Steelers. Yeah, Steelers. I can't pick the Browns. I don't see them winning more than three or four games this year. <laughs> yeah, oh, this, this is a good one coming up. Houston at New England. Uh, I think New England goes pretty well. I think they handle Houston pretty well, actually, week one. I'll go out on a limb a little bit. We saw Houston give the Patriots a really good game earlier in the season last year. You know Deshaun Watson is going to want to come out firing, and the Patriots have been known to get off to some slow starts, so I'm going to go with Houston. I'm going to go with Houston as well for the same reason. Patriots usually start off slow and then catch fire at the end of the season. I think Deshaun Watson makes a statement. I'd love to root for Houston here. I really want to do it, but I can't. i got to go with the Pats. It's all business when the season rolls around. Titans at Dolphins. Uh, Titans. I think they're going to really control the running game, and that's why. Yeah, I'll go with the Titans on the road as well. I'm going to go with the Titans, and I don't think it's going to be close. It sounds like a miserable game again. I'll go, I'll go Titans. All right, Chiefs at Chargers. Ooh, two really hyped teams. I'm going to go Chargers because I trust the QB more. I believe in Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to go with Kansas City. And also add into that, Chargers don't really have that home field advantage. So another reason I like Kansas City. I'm going Chargers. That team has a ton of talent on both sides, similar to Jacksonville. I like the Chiefs. Watch Mahomes to have a real big game. I need him to in one of my fantasy leagues. All right. Uh, Cowboys at Panthers. Panthers. I'm Cam Newton all the way. Yeah, Panthers. I think the Cowboys could be really bad this season. I'm going to go Panthers as well, but I think it's going to be closer than some people think. Panthers in a close one. Redskins, Cardinals. Redskins at Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals. I think Cardinals are going to be an explosive team to have to really show people why they deserve to be contenders for a champion. Yeah, Cardinals, I'm looking forward to seeing Chase Edmonds in that backfield, <laughs> and uh, I believe in Sam Bradford for at least one week. I, it, it's interesting because this is kind of a low-key game, but I also think it might be the hardest to pick. But I'm going to go Cardinals in a close one. I'm going Cardinals also in a close one. This is my hot take of the week. Chase Edmonds scores first week right. on that a third down. Awesome. On a third down it. from like 20 yards out. I would love it. All right, Seahawks at Denver. Uh, Seahawks, but not in the fashion they did two years ago. Yeah, what a game this would have been two years yeah. ago. But I'm going to go with Denver. I love their home field advantage. Yeah, I mean, Denver does have that home field advantage. I think it'll be tough, but I'm going to go with the better quarterback in Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm going Russell Wilson, too. I think it'll be a close one, though. Sunday night game, Bears at Packers. The Khalil Mack edition Bears. Uh, they're better, but not better than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah, I think the Packers in a blowout. I'm going to go with my Super Bowl winner, uh, the Green Bay Packers. I'm not going to go that far, but I think they win. they win this week against the Bears. 
All right, Jets, Lions, Monday night, first game. Uh, I think the Jets squeak it out and the hype continues. Yeah, I want to see Darnold play well, but I think the Lions are going to be that random team that comes out the NFC, so I'm going to go with Detroit. I'm going to go with the Jets in a close one. I'll go Lions there for the reasons I gave earlier. And final game, the Monday night game, which I, I can't stand on the East Coast, Rams at Raiders. I think Oakland's going to take this. Too much hype for L.A., and Derek Carr's a sneaky MVP pick for this year. I'm all in on John Gruden. Give me the Raiders. Really? Wow. All in. All in. I, I am going Rams in a game that is not close. This one, oh, this is tough. I'm, I'm going Raiders, but I think it's going to be a high-scoring wow. contest. I cannot believe I was the only one to pick the Rams there. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Might get an easy point there. I in, don't know. We'll in, see. In the standings coming we'll up. <laughs> so that'll do it for NFL Friday first week. Thank you to all of you guys for giving your takes. And we will be back next week. Big shout-out to Charlie Maizano producing in the back. For Reed Horner, Devin Clemente, and John DeBarrow with Fantasy, I am Vinny DeBellis. Thank you for tuning in to NFL Friday. We'll be back again next Friday.